Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Eric and Luke and our very special guest. Luke, tell them who our guest is. Yes, everybody. Welcome to the show. We are very excited today to have my good friend, Troy McIntosh. Uh, I know there was a bit of a squabble last week over whether how to pronounce his last name. Despite the fact that I've known Troy for five years, I now am certain on how to pronounce his name, McIntosh. And you were totally um, wrong last week. Let's just point that out. And Brother Troy, we really appreciate you coming on, and we're excited about the main subject today, which is the nature of Christ. But before we get to that, hey, Carolyn, welcome to the show. Uh, before we get to that, we want everyone to, to know a little bit of who you are, uh, because for me, you are an obvious choice. But, uh, you know, a lot of our other guests so far have sort of been figures within our tiny little denomination where everyone knows everybody. But to almost everyone here, with the exception of me, you're a stranger. Um, <laughs> So why don't you tell everybody just a quick intro, um, maybe who you are, a bit about your family, uh, your job, and your church. Okay, thank you very much for having me. Um, I am uh, I'm a pastor of a small church up here in Gurney, Illinois, and I met uh, Luke a few years ago. So Luke was the minister of music at this church here in Gurney called Gurney Community Church, and I actually met the pastor there. His name is Pastor Chris Stevens. And they allowed our church to meet in their chapel. So we would meet in the church chapel, uh, which would meet after uh, Gurney Community Church got out. So we would meet maybe, I don't know, be like 12 o'clock or something like that. And Luke would hear us in there having worship time, that kind of stuff. And he'd kind of pop by and stick his head in and and he'd just walk in and start singing. Like we'd be, you know, <laughs> singing every prayer. He'd just walk in the back and start singing. So we just we just had this mutual love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, and then and then that led to kind of talking afterwards. And that and he actually invited me to leave work to lead worship a couple times there. So I had uh, planted this church in Gurney after serving. For about 20 years at a church in the inner city of Chicago called Christ Bible Church, which is a Baptist church. But I was a minister of music there at that church. So I have a musical background. Uh, I think we kind of connected not only around the Lord Jesus Christ, but around music as well. Um, and so, yeah, so I lead the church. I also work in HR at a company here in the Chicagoland area, and I have a beautiful family. I, I'm an I'm a official girl dad. So I have a... Uh, uh, 19 year old daughter who'll be 20 in a couple of months and i have a seven year old daughter who'll be eight in a couple of months and i'm married to a beautiful woman her name is wendy so i'm good to see you guys awesome uh, let, let me tell a quick story about meeting troy and then we'll sort of get to our our soft opening which is going to be really fun today uh, and then we'll get to the meat of the conversation which is what we're really excited about so uh Troy um, sort of represented pretty accurately how we met, which was basically that I just walked into his church service. Um, but I couldn't help it because I, I remember the first time I heard Troy playing and singing, uh, I was just drawn in. It, it, it's unfortunate that we're we're focused on theology today or else I would have just asked Troy to, to make some music <laughs> for us uh, because Troy is a real gospel music player and singer like the soul and the spirit and the energy of it is uh uh undeniable um what's interesting though so i i really only walked in because i i heard the music and like i loved it and then um i i come into the service and i hear troy preach for the first time and it's line by line exegetical textual preaching and then I have the chance to sit down with Troy and sort of talk with him. And, um, you know, one of the buzzwords, 
the modern theology or theology throughout the ages always has these buzzwords, these fads. And one of the, the recent buzzwords is Christocentric, right? Our mission should be Christocentric. Our, uh, our ecclesiology should be Christocentric. Well, let me, let me tell you something about Troy McIntosh that I learned five minutes after I sat down with him. Uh, Troy's whole theology is Christocentric. All of it. It's the the name of his church is Christ is all church, and it is such an appropriate name given the way that he teaches. Um, which is why he is the perfect guest for what we're going to talk about today, which is in fact the nature of Christ. But before we do that, oh hey Glenn, yes, uh, you would you and Troy would sing together beautifully. I don't have a great gospel voice. Uh, Glenn, who's a, a member of my church, does. Uh, but before we get into the meat today, we've got a really fun, soft opener. Eric, would you like to, to give it to us? What are we what yeah, do we want to talk so, about? So Luke kind of had this idea 30 seconds before it came on to think of a guilty pleasure song. So what is a song that we uh, enjoy listening to that uh, is kind of a guilty pleasure? Maybe there's a little bit of shame associated with it because it's not cool or maybe it's played out. I don't know. Uh, but that that's kind of what that, that's Luke's thing. He wants to... Uh, make fun of us. So see, I'm the nice guy today. Luke is the one who's a jerk. Um, you know, he's going to make everybody feel uncomfortable. So, so Luke, why don't you start off? What's, what's your guilty pleasure song? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before I get my guilty pleasure song, because I don't think it's that embarrassing, I will tell, I will admit to you guys, I, uh, over the years have very much enjoyed Justin Bieber. I think maybe that's my most embarrassing as <laughs> Eric's already hiding his face. I think my guilty pleasure song, though, is uh, Minnie Ripperton's Loving You. Mm-hmm. See, Troy, 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 I should don't have to be embarrassed in front of Troy. Do you even, are you familiar with that song, Eric? Uh, how about you give me a couple lines from it? Loving you. That's <laughs> <laughs> I can see why I can see why uh, why Lindsay fell for it. Oh, Troy, you you hear Troy playing the song? Not, not only does Troy like the song, he knows how to play it. <laughs> watch out, Troy! Watch out, Troy! Uh, our pro- our producer's gonna get upset because we don't have the rights to this music. <laughs> Tom, who uh, thank you so much to Tom Logry, who does so much work behind the scenes for us. Anytime we do music on the show, Tom, in in, in his very gentle Tom way. Gets very upset. Yeah. <laughs> he virtually spanks us. I just jacked it, so I just sorry. So hopefully there's no copyright problem. So. Man, man, that that got me all all. I'm ready, man. Let, I try to do it. Let's do it right there. I try to do it in the kinks. So I have this ongoing. So my wife's a musician too. I have this. I have this problem that is. It's not a problem, but I have this problem that I hear every song in the in the key that it was originally recorded in. So when I hear it in a different key, I'm like, oh, like you know. So I'm surprised I could play it in that key, but I, I gave it a shot. <laughs> Whoa, Glenn! Glenn's throwing shade at me in the comments. <laughs> so that's so that's your favorite guilty pleasure, pleasure, Luke. Uh, yeah, I, I I think that's the one, Eric. Why don't Why don't we be polite and let our guests go last? What's yours? I'll I'll give you a couple lines, and then I want you to guess it. Okay. How about that? Okay. Are you ready? Look. If you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted in one moment, would you capture it 
or let it slip. Yo, his palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms and heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already, mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop bombs, but he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but only words come out. Is that, is that Eminem? Is that what that is? Yeah. <laughs> Troy, I'm I'm so sorry that we brought you on so that you could hear the worst rap I've ever heard. And I didn't know. <laughs> I love that song. I didn't know it could sound bad, but it yeah. but it did. I you it know what? you shouldn't be ashamed of of loving that song, but you should be ashamed of what you just did. <laughs> hey, I did my best, man. I never claimed to be. Uh, a musician of any kind of any sort. Uh, but listen, man, I put like, okay, you want to hear the guilty pleasure part about it? I'm 32 years old and I play against men in hockey, right? I pump that music in my vehicle <laughs> on the way <laughs> to the rink <laughs> to get pumped up to play. <laughs> That's why it's a guilty pleasure. <clears throat> now, Carolyn, I've never heard "Birdhouse in Your Soul." I'll have to check that out later. Uh, Troy, guilty pleasure. So, so I'm the, so now that we're talking. So I look at so many songs, but I, I love music. But um, I'll do the same thing, and I bet my one of one of the first songs that came to me is probably so old that you guys probably will not. I just realized that I heard this song for the first time when I was about eleven or twelve, sitting in my next door neighbor. His name is Ricky Bauma in Ricky Bauma's basement. So I'll give you the beginning lyrics. I was dreaming when I wrote this, forgive me if it goes astray. But when I woke up this morning, could have sworn it was judgment day. The sky was all purple. There were people running everywhere. I heard it. Wait, keep going, keep going, keep going. I might have it, I might have it. Thought I'd run from the destruction. You know I didn't even care. Keep going, keep going. 2000 party's over. Oops, out of time. <laughs> so tonight I'm going to party like it's <laughs> 1999. Yeah. So I, <laughs> check this out. When I first heard that song, it was like 1982. <laughs> you were like, 1999. That's, that's a long ways away, man. What's going to happen when it's 1999? <laughs> like, wow, 1999 seems a that seems like so far away. I was a little kid. Man, now I got that song. Got a party like So I will tell you, I I do I am aware of the existence of that song. I have never once in my life heard that verse. There's no way I've ever heard that verse. First verse. First verse. Yeah. No. It's no. a great tune. It's a great tune. Man. All right. As a matter of fact, Luke, Luke, for all you musicians. Listen to the melody. Three times, he, he actually sings three-part harmony. He sings the first verse. The first person sings the uh, soprano part. The second person sings the tenor part. The third person sings the alto part. And then they sing it all together. But it's actually the, but the same melody. Three. It, it makes sense. Like the, the verse melody is actually the three-part harmony, if that makes sense. <laughs> it's all right. Actually, Music nerd. I, I, I like I like where this is going already because Eric has no idea what we're talking about. Not a clue. <laughs> but I don't find any of those songs. None of those songs are embarrassing. We kind of failed. Well, it's okay. Uh, Richard Waters picked one, The End by Linkin Park. That is embarrassing. And I appreciate his. his Why is it embarrassing, man? What's wrong with Linkin Park? 
Uh, I have to. I don't. I don't even have time to explain that to you. So I think we better move on. I love um, Lincoln Park, man. That's. <laughs> I also got that on my playlist heading up to the ice rink. I also love Lincoln oh, Park, and, and they're and they're in the same category as Green Day songs that are fine for twelve year olds to listen to. What's wrong with Green Day, man? <laughs> You're gonna. <laughs> What's wrong with Green Day? Nothing. It's great music for twelve year olds. I loved it when I was twelve. This is. <laughs> I'm speechless, man. Like I'm speechless. Well, that's, now that now that that is a rarity for Eric to be speechless. Um, Green but- Day, Green Day was a, my first. So my no, my second concert that I'd ever been to was a Green Day concert. How, how old were you? Uh, I was probably like 15. Yeah, that's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Come uh, on, man. <laughs> so let's um. Because Eric is clearly hopeless when it comes to taste in music, I think we're just going to have to move on. Uh, the, the the subject today is the nature, um, the divinity, the supremacy of Christ. And the we're, we're, I'm sure we're going to go all, all over the place today. But I guess I think a good place to begin, given the guests that we have, um, is, is just to ask you, Troy, why is your church named Christ is All Church? I mean, there are so many different names. You know, there's Bethlehem Church. There's uh, uh, Bible Church. We, we, we are both at Advent Christian Churches. Why did you uh, name your church Christ is All? Um, interesting. It's, it's, uh, it's not really the longest story, but um, years ago, I met a, uh, there's a friend of mine. His name is Pastor Timothy Metcalf. He pastors up in uh, Pennsylvania in rural Pennsylvania. And, um, I heard him teach at a, um, revival at this home, home church that I was at. And he taught on, I think it was, is in the, he, he taught through Christ in the book of Leviticus. And he got to this text around, I think it's Leviticus. I was actually just looking up, I think it's Leviticus 14 around sacrifice that gets, that gets given. And, and, um, take two pigeons, right? One pigeon, is sacrificed blood of one pigeons put on the other pigeon uh one pigeon is set free the other pigeon is sacrificed and it's done over r- running water and he started talking about this sacrifice in the book of leviticus which at the time in my own my own growth in the lord was was just an obscure like why would i why would i study the book of leviticus like that's you know it's old te- why would i study that and he started to unfold how these two pigeons were types of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hadn't been saved that long, but the best way I could explain it was, I believe the Holy Spirit was letting me know what he's saying is true. I don't understand all of it yet, but I know this is true. I know this is true. And um, um, so we became friends. And the more I learned about the Lord Jesus Christ, I had, I had just got I had just gotten saved. I read this book by Watchman Nee called Christ: The Sum of All Spiritual Things, and um, the Holy Spirit just made it clear to me through the text that the Lord Jesus Christ is the revelation of God. He is the Word of God, and so when we say Christ is all, we're saying in any situation, in anything, um, the reason behind whatever that thing is, is the Lord Jesus Christ, because everything will be brought into summation in the end of time in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the judge, who is the word, who is the right. So whenever we're teaching anything in the Bible, we would say Christ is all and is in all 
And so that's what we mean by it is that we're, we're committed to in every way um, honoring him as everything. That's good. So, now, so. <laughs> now, Eric, uh, I'm, I'm going to be tempted just because uh, Troy and I, you know, we've had these conversations before uh, to sort of dominate the conversation. So I, I want to um, be very intentional about giving you chances to break in. Is there anywhere you want to start? I mean, I, I know some of the places we're going to go. I know some of the questions I'm going to ask Troy, but is there anything you think we should start with? Yeah. So I think it's important to ask the question, why is, why is this important? So I, all three of us agree that Christ is supreme, right? So, so in the conversation that I had with Luke about how, about bringing you on, um, like totally by like, we all, we're all in agreement on who Jesus is, um, that he's supreme over all both, you know, the old Testament points to Christ, the new Testament points to Christ. Like it's all, it's all stature is the very word of God. But then people get, people go, okay, that's great. I'll buy that for a dollar. But what does that mean? Like, why is this important? But I want to give one example why I might think it's important. That I want you to chime in, Troy. Um, <clears throat> I've been living in my, I've been at my church now for almost two years. We've been living in our house. We bought a house in this beautiful area. I don't know, maybe a little bit over a year ago, right? So a lot of churches, now you're a church plant church, right? So a lot of churches that plant, what they do, what do they do? They send mailers out to people who might be moving into the area. They're hoping to one, maybe someone who's on the fence and might want to kick the tires on, on the faith. They'll come. But those who might be moving into the area who might already be a Christian, right? They're like, Hey, if we send them a mailer, they're looking for a church. Maybe we'll be the church home for them. And that's not a terrible strategy. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe you might differ because you've planted a church. I haven't, but you want to know what this flyer said? It said, Come to our church. Our here's our upcoming series. You know what the series was? Four ways to have better sex in your marriage. No, it didn't even say in your marriage. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Four <laughs> ways to have better sex. And I and I looked at my wife and I said, "Man, should I be preaching on this kind of thing? <laughs> like, like what in the world? Like, <laughs> like what is what is going on that we would that this is something that we would advertise like." I don't go to church to, I, I remember when I was a kid, like you, I forget her name, but there was like this old lady on television um, late at night. She was like some sort of sex doctor or, you know, what I'm talking about. Maybe you've seen, uh, I forget, but she had like this thick accent. Yeah. She might've been oh. Austrian or German. Oh. Pause for a minute. I very much appreciate, Eric, that you are letting Troy know right off the bat the kind of timbre that we have on this show. So thank you so much for baptizing him in fire. <laughs> that, very well very well but i remember like what like so you see this show and you go that's why you watch that show is you're trying to get advice for your sex life right nobody comes to church for like nobody wants me to give them sex life advice i don't think right like and and like i'm looking at this pastor who's got this who's got this flyer out for his church and i'm like why do i need sex sex advice from this guy right like i don't go to church for that I go, I go to church for like Christ advice, like to know about Christ and, and see him. So to me, the, the reason why it's important for us to cover this topic is because we can get so distracted with the things that we think the world wants to hear, right? And we tickle their ears with things like, hey, let me give you better sex advice um, on Sunday morning rather than let me give you advice on how to better follow Christ. Right. So that's a really good point. So so I'll say a couple of things. So um, 
while I wouldn't teach a series on having better sex, um, he well, does. The, the Bible, the Bible does have some things yeah, to say about it. Right? Yeah, 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 and that's fine. He, he does have it, and so I pulled up this text as as, I, as you guys were talking. About, I pulled up this text, uh, Ephesians four, uh, where, where where we're learning about the fullness of, you know, what the church is, Ephesians four. And we were actually just teaching this a couple weeks ago about Christ being the one who has descended and the one who has ascended is he's the only one. He's the only human who was able to ascend into the heavens and he descended onto earth and Ephesians four two. he that descended is also uh, also who ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all all things, and he gave some apostles, you're familiar, prophets, evan some evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And so that is, that's what the church is. For. The church is, Christ is the head of the church, and everything we're doing is that we would find unity, right? That we would be on one, and the only place... Unity deals with being in the body, deals with responding to the head. Jesus Christ is the head. So a body can't be unified. You know, I mean, we have names for diseases when your when your thumb is doing what your brain doesn't want it to do. Right. And so as we that's the whole purpose of us gathering together, praying, teaching is that we would be unified in our knowledge. Right. So I think the point that you're raising is that many people. Uh, many pastors nowadays are trying to build the numbers of their church, build a bigger building. They're doing other things to gather people, to you know, to get more people in the building, right? Versus uh, gr creating unity in the knowledge of this person, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of the Christ. And so many of the things that they're doing are outside the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Because they're just doing it because they want to forward an institution. Mm -hmm. um, so, I think that's the purpose is because God's purpose for the body of Christ is that we would be subject to the head, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, do you think like, so, so talking about that, you know, the, people think that they're serving the institution. I wonder if it's more like they, they think that they're serving the institution by furthering the institution, by getting butts in seats. Right. But really they're feeding the flesh. Right. So instead right. of feeding the spirit of the people that they, so instead of feeding the people who, who in their spirit are craving Christ, although they don't necessarily realize it, he's feeding right. them flesh. He's right. feeding their fleshly desires instead of feeding them Christ. Yeah. Now, I, I do want to interject something here, and I have no idea about this, this pastor, this church that you got the flyer from, Eric. And I'm also not necessarily condoning this as a method, but I, but I would say this. Let's say hypothetically they were to do that. He showed up to the church and he was preaching a message out of, you know, Song of Songs uh, uh, about sex. If by the end of his message, he made the point that this is not just about our union in marriage, but our union with Christ, I'm okay with it. Because I, because I, 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 no? switch, man. It's a sale. So, so here's the thing it's a sales tactic. And, and, and I, I think, so you either believe the word of God is, is sufficient and that it's active. Like, so when you read the Bible and you, and you share it out loud, when you share the gospel, the spirit's either active in that or not. So you don't need a sales technique to sell Jesus to people. 
Hmm. This he does the sales job by creating them in them a new heart, right? By giving them the new birth. Yeah. So that's what you need. You need the spirit. You don't need a sex talk. Now we've uh, uh, um, that God. that point is that point is well taken. I do want to try to turn back toward uh, um, the centrality of Christ, and this is this is where <laughs> Troy. I'm actually just going to bring up a conversation we've had before, and I'll warn you. So. Uh, you figured out already our show is um, a little goofy. It's uh, kind of anything goes. It's also we we try to lean into conflict, not not in the sense that we're rude or unkind, but that we want to talk about the most controversial parts of uh, of these issues because we think they matter. And so it's worth fighting about. So I'm, I'm going to maybe ask you to, to say some fighting words in a minute, because I, I remember a conversation I had with you. And if, and if I misrepresent you in any way, then you can correct me. If I remember correctly, you suggested that Peter's confession of Christ, uh, in which you assert he um, rightly acknowledged the divinity of Christ, that that was the moment of his conversion. Yeah. Did, did I under, am, am I, is my understanding of your view of, of that correct? Um, 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 well, well, perhaps. Um... So uh, I guess I, what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is I what, what I'm trying to get at is oh, that's hold on. when we learned what that he was a believer. Right, right. So that that's what I'm trying to get at is I know for you in some ways you actually view conversion um, as or faith in Christ as um, uh, that the divinity of Christ is actually at the center of that. That it's not just an acknowledgement of Jesus as Savior or a sacrifice but it's acknowledgement of him as the Lord of glory. Um, so can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so uh, yeah, it's, it deals with believing that he's God. So um, Jesus, Jesus put it like this, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Unless you believe. And, you know, if you look at King James, actually King James adds a word here. I don't think they needed to add a word. They don't need to add he. I am. They put he italicized. It just it says, if you, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Romans 10. Uh, let's actually go to Romans Romans 10. Romans 10. Yeah. This very quickly. And um, Romans 10, the, this, this, this profession of faith, um, right? Um, uh, unless you, if you confess with your mouth, Lord Jesus, this word, right? Curios, curios, Jesus, same word in the Septuagint, you know, I'm sorry for, for the, in the Septuagint, right? For the word that gets used for Yahweh. Um, so, um, for with the heart, man believes in the righteousness of Mother. And for, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. And where is he, where is that verse? For whoever believes on him will not be ashamed. Where is that? What is that quote from? Just gonna check it here. If you have it, if you have it, tell me. Is it whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved? I think it's from a psalm. Could be wrong. Yes. Um, just a minute here. We're we're in Romans uh, ten, right? Yep. So Romans ten thirteen. All right. So when he says this, <clears throat> you're talking about you're talking about which with the Old Testament reference? Yes. Okay. Right, so when he says this, um, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's yeah. I, th I thought it was Joel. 
Joel two. Okay. Uh, who's the Lord in Joel two? I think I think if you read the book of Joel, there's no question. <laughs> Pretty clear. Yahweh reference or yeah. whoever believes on him will be put to shame. Verse eleven, Isaiah twenty-eight. I mean, this is this is these two things are equated, right? That if you're not believing that Jesus is the Lord, not like Lord, like he's my, he's, but he's the top guy I know. Not like that. Like he is the Lord. From the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So I, I don't see how a, a person can be rejecting the deity of Christ and be called a believer. Hmm. Because so this is this is why we brought Troy on because Troy takes a real hard line stance on oh, this in, that's in, a hard line. In, in a way that not no it's not a hard line stance it's not a hard line stance yeah. it, it's not, like I'm with you Troy this yeah. is a fundamental like yeah. you, <laughs> you know, know either, he either is divine or he isn't and if he isn't divine and you believe he's not divine then you're then you don't believe in him you then you believe- can't be a Christian yeah, yeah so I'll tell you kind of an anecdotal story. Uh, when I went to India, I actually had the pleasure to go to India and share the gospel mm-hmm. a couple times. And we were talking to people in India about how certain people in America don't think you need to believe Jesus is God. And they were looking at us like, well, what? Well, why do you why would you believe in somebody who's not God? Like what? Like they were we were like, we're just explaining this to you. Like we're not we don't agree with that. But. And they just kept saying, well, this makes no sense. I mean, the whole, everything we're doing is telling people to turn away from Hindu gods to believe on Jesus as God. Like, so they've got plenty, you know, they're just saying in India, 30 million gods. Why do you pick this one? You know, why, why do you, why do you reject all of our gods? You know, in India, when in Hinduism, they've got all these gods. Well, yeah, we're rejecting all these other gods and we're saying Jesus is the one true God. That's the whole point. Uh, what we're saying is that he's the one true God. And so, yeah, that's, that's the way that I would describe this. And sometimes you'd think, well, everybody agrees with this. I was not raised in sort of a, for lack of a better term, I wasn't raised in a Bible teaching or evangelical uh, setting. So I was around a lot of people that said they were believers that would deny this, that would say Jesus is my God. And I was one of those people where when I first came to the church where I heard the gospel, I denied the deity of Christ. And I would have told you I was saved. Mm -hmm. I would have actually said, I even hate to mention that. I would have just said, no, I would have told you Jesus was, I would have used the word Messiah, but what I meant was he's the greatest man that's ever lived. And I definitely believe he was born. And that's when he started. I denied his eternal and I denied the resurrection of the, of the physical resurrection. Everything that I would say is goes along with the gospel. I would have told you I was saved and I was leading music ministries. I was doing all this. And I did not believe any of those things to the point where when I heard it, I thought this pastor has got to be false. Like this is because because I because the pastor said Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And I remember my head, I said, no, no, he's not. No, he's not. He's, he's a great man, but he's not God. That's you know, you, you've gone too far. And that, Troy, I think you hit on something that to me, elite, because I grew up in a household that, I mean, we weren't Christians. I mean, we weren't anti-Christian or atheist. It was just kind of a, your popular new england kind of um faith where you believe in this guy you celebrate christmas right and you do kind of all this stuff so i hear exactly what you're saying so when i go home when i meet people people that i grew up with they'll call themselves a christian they think they're saved 
But in reality, if we ask the, the questions that we're fleshing out right now, they would say exactly what you said what, before you came to Christ. Right. And, and that's something that we need to fight for and reclaim. It's not just within our own circles, right, in, in evangelical circles and <clears throat> in Advent Christian circles. But it's something that we have to articulate first and foremost when we do evangelism, when we share the gospel with someone, <clears throat> we can't assume with anyone that they know who Jesus is. They might have heard the story, right? They might have heard that he died on the cross. They might have thought all these things. They might have heard that stuff, but they don't really know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. They definitely don't believe it, right? Absolutely. Definitely not. And we can't it. even we can't even assume. Hi, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Miss you. <laughs> we can't hey, even hey, assume. Hey. I don't think we. We can't even assume that in our pews people get it, right? So, like I say, I say every every time I get a chance, I say, "Listen, every Sunday you're getting the gospel. The gospel isn't just for unbelievers. The gospel is for believers. You need to be have you need to have the gospel preached to you every single day, multiple times a day. So, why would you preach anything other than the gospel on a Sunday morning or elsewhere? Now, you might be going through the book of Exodus. You might be going through Genesis or or or, or, or whatever, right? You could be going through the Psalms, but if, if every jot and tittle is the word of God, Jesus is the word of God. Somehow it points to Jesus. It points to his redemptive work, which is the gospel. And that includes his divinity. Once you divorce his divinity, he's no longer supreme. Once you start peeling all these things back, you don't have any sort of gospel that saves. Right. Right. I preach. I mean, I just, Hey, there's nothing to say. Here, here, just, man, this is the best guess we've had. He just agreed. Let me let, let me be like, <laughs> so uh, let me ask you another question, Troy. Uh, um, and obviously, we want to build. Whenever it comes to our understanding of really anything, but especially God, we want to build a case on scriptural testimony, not anecdotal stories. However. You have a really great one about your wife, who we just saw, Wendy, oh, yeah. and, her, and her realization. So um, you, don't, it, you don't have to tell it, you know, it doesn't have to be long, but could you just share a little bit about yeah. uh, sort of the moment? And I think you were the one preaching when she yeah, had I that was, recognition. I was teaching Bible study. We had been married for two years. We both came from church. She, we met through music ministry. She was a leader in music ministry. She's from Iowa. And we actually met at a gospel concert. So I, all I've ever known of her is like as a, like a praise and worship leader. It's like, I've only known her through music ministry in church. Right. And everybody that she knows is like, Oh, she's amazing. You know, they, they view it. So, uh, so we started to date and we started to talk and, um, you know, I, I had talked to her, shared, talked to her about the gospel. Um, and she was, she was in line. Like she was saying she was in line with it and she would say things from the Bible that I think, okay, like clearly she's a believer. Well, anyway, I was teaching, I was teaching at a, at a Bible study one night and she just looked up like this and she said, he's God. And I said, yes, that's what we've been talking about for quite some time. <laughs> like, she said, no, he's God. And I said, yes. She said, I didn't see it before. I did not see it. She said, it felt like right now a light just went on. I did not see it. She's like, I'm telling you, I don't care what I would have said. I did not believe this. I did not see this before. I, you know, she, the thing that's scary, she, she would have said she believed in the Trinity. She would have said that. Yeah, I believe in the Trinity. She would have said that. 
she would bring up verses. We like one of our first conversations was she brought up the book of Genesis and she talked about how in the book in Genesis one, how he says, let us create man. She said, okay, look, here's a Trinity right here. Like she was, she said things that would lead you to think she was a believer. And I actually thought she was a believer. And she said, no, I was not. And I actually, um, you know, first it was hard to believe. I was like, was I unequally yoked? I was like, first I was like, <laughs> no, like, you know, like, but, uh, but I but said, hey, you like, this is her testimony and she's a believer now. I think we were married maybe about a year and a half at the time. And, uh, but, but yeah, she was like, no, I was, I was, and then she, she was upset, right? She was like, man, I, I think I would have gone to hell. Like I, I was an unbeliever. I was an unbeliever. I feel the same way, you know, I feel the same way. So, yep, that's my yeah. short story. Eric, do you mind if I take Moose's question? Is it okay if I answer that since it was sort Certainly. of addressed to me? Yeah. yeah, so so the re the reason that um I, I'm speaking about this in the way that I am, Moose, is be because the whole reason, I mean, look, this would be worth talking about no matter regardless of the circumstance within our denomination. I love talking to Troy about uh Christ, about the Bible and about what it teaches. So we 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 might have done this anyway at some point. The reason that we're doing it now is because of what is happening in our denomination, which is you, Moose, say, well, of course this isn't controversial. And and Eric says, of course this isn't controversial. I would say, of course this isn't controversial, as would Troy. However, um, that is not the case for not just many people, but a, a decent number of pastors in our denomination. Mm -hmm. so, I'm, look, I'm... I don't. I know Eric. Tends some, to be, you, you need. You need to clarify. Some of these pastors and some of these people will say, "Listen, I believe in the divinity of Christ. I believe in the truth. I believe in all that stuff." But I'm not going to force my belief on on somebody else who come who looks at the scriptures and says, "No, I don't believe that." Right. But then you have to look at. But we look at each other and go, "We're pastors." I'm in fear for your soul because the scriptures do are quite clear. And like, it's not because you're dumb, right? And it's not because like, I, like, I hate you or anything like that. It's some concern for your soul and that the scriptures speak and they're working and that I'm afraid the spirit is not in you because you reject Christ. Right. And, and, and Eric, I think your point's important. I, I want to let you speak, Troy. Let me just say one more thing. I think your point, Eric, is, is perfect that this isn't even necessarily about belief in the divinity of Christ, which as far as I can tell, is the vast majority within our denomination. Not all, but the vast majority. The, the issue is, as Eric said, the importance that there are, uh, there are leaders in our denomination, not necessarily at the top, but pastors and, and voices that have a, have a lot of influence, who would say that they acknowledge the divinity of Christ, but that it's not an essential doctrine. That that's that's why we are we are we are pursuing this. It's not so much that uh, we're at risk of of uh, non-trinitarianism becoming. Look, most of the churches in our denomination are trinitarian. Most of the pastors are. Most of the people are. But many of those people who believe this won't defend it. Mm. That, that that's that's why we're we're having this. Well, we've lost the art of of winsome argument. Right. So so like we we've lost the art of saying, hey, this is really important and I'm going to try to win you over to my side hmm. uh, in, a, in a in a forceful ca but caring way. Right. Hmm. So like a brother, 
Um, and I don't necessarily have in mind, you're more in touch with people in our denomination than I am, probably because you grew up in it, right? So mm-hmm. you know, your dad's been a pastor for a long time. So he's got all these friends. So I don't know the things that you know. But I would say to a brother who's like, listen, this is something that we can't, like, we need to just back off a little bit, let people believe what they want to believe and, and all that. Like, my concern for that brother is like, dude, you're going to have to stand before the Lord on judgment day. Right. And you had the opportunity to 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 influence a great many people and instead you backed off and instead of defending the divinity of christ you said no not my bag come on man like you're going to have to give an account not only for your own sheep that you were called the shepherd but your fellow under shepherds of the flock in whom you're also to be holding accountable so if you just say well let's let let bygones be bygones that is that's damning like literally that is damning you're damning people to hell by saying "Ah, no thanks the argument's not worth it yeah let's let's bring troy and i see he's ready to no this now this is look i'm being edified just listening i mean i i I didn't i fully would agree with you there i mean it's it's um you know i was thinking about this um because i feel like i've the lord has grown me you know i'm teaching right now in the book of um numbers right and um numbers we're teaching numbers on wednesday and actually we're teaching the book of uh, matthew right now on um sunday and uh i see the divinity of christ everywhere i see it all throughout the bible like not not just in these texts that we could go to to kind of prove it but once you see him like I always wonder if people think I'm over, but I'll give you an example. Teaching this week about, about we're, we're in Numbers, goodness, Numbers 21, maybe, the death of Aaron. Is it Numbers 20? Number, it might be Numbers 20, the death of Aaron. I think it was maybe 20 or, or 21. And there's a scene where Aaron goes onto a mountain, and uh, Aaron dies on that mountain. And Moses disrobes him. And puts the robes on Eleazar. Now, he wears the ephod, right? The ephod is it is the high priest. But what is the ephod? The ephod, you know, it has the breastplate. So he's got the ephod this long. Then he's got the breastplate. He's got these. He's got these stones. These stones have, you know. So he's he's got this role where he's the priest, but he's also the sin bearer, right? I mean, it's kind of like. He's both the one offering the priest, but he's. It says that you will bear the names of. He's, he's bearing the names of Israel as well. He's the great high priest. Well, the ephod is red, blue. It's it's scarlet. It's blue. It's purple. It's got gold in it. These are these are like. This is like. I'm looking at this. And I'm like. As I studied the book of Exodus, we're teaching it like blue deals with deity. Red deals with humanity. Purple deals with Christ, or I teach it like blue and red together is Christ. When you see purple in the Bible, when Jesus gets a purple robe put on him while he's getting, before he gets crucified, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a kingly robe, but it's royalty. It's royalty. And it just happens to be blue and red. It just happens to be blue and red. A mixture of blue and red happens to be this purple. 
I'm seeing it like this, 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 I'm seeing these things in terms of type, type, like you're learning things all throughout the Bible, which point to the fact that there's going to be one that comes and he's not going to only be man. He's going to be God and man. He's, 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 he's divinely God. He's, you know, teaching his, you know, during the history of the church, some people were denying the humanity of Christ. So we're, we're always teaching him as he's human. He's a man. He's, he's, he's God, which is what makes him able to save us. How does a, how does this man save us if he's not God? Yeah. Now you, no, no. This is you. Do this. You brought some. You brought up something really important here, which is because because here's one of the catchphrases that that I'll hear sometimes is, uh, and and to some extent, I understand it. Uh, people will who and even people who acknowledge the divinity of Christ will point to what they call the, um, the evangelistic passages. So passages that talk about uh, repent and believe. Uh, confess, you know, the, the, those ones that we would go to in Romans 10 and Acts chapter 2, the various places where people are, are called to, um, to conversion. Uh, and the point that they'll make is that, well, well, all these passages talk about is faith and repentance, right? They don't actually address the nature of Christ except as Savior. But that doesn't answer a really important question Troy just asked, which is, if he's not God of very God, the eternal son of God, um, can, can his sacrifice have any saving power? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> can, can, we, can we elaborate a little bit? For, what? <laughs> that's actually, um, that's a really good question. So, so maybe this gets into other things, which I don't want to, you know, disagree with you, but but um, what are you what are you being told to repent of? Well, well, sin. Your sin. Yeah. So I would actually say something a little bit different. In your in your unbelief. So I would right right. So I would actually say you're dealing with mainly changing your mind about who he is. Mm -hmm. yeah. well, well, ultimately, all sin comes right. down to the fact right. of, uh, fact of unbelief in God and right. unbelief in Christ. Thank so you. once you come to faith in Christ, it's and He's supreme. <laughs> right and he's supreme over everything it's like it's a no-brainer to turn from your sin because right. your sin is what put christ on the cross and because everything has been born on him right so he he who knew no sin was made sin so that we would be made the righteousness of god right so because he bore all that sin in himself of eternity so all your future sin past sin your grandkids future sin all of that is heaped on him or in him, right? As as Paul writes, he is made sin. Who knew no sin? Right. And we have that great exchange. So now we can, so all of that sin is easy to turn from when he becomes supreme in our life. Yeah. Right. Now, now it's becoming apparent from the dynamic here, which I love that I'm obviously going to have to be devil's advocate today. So I'm, I'm going to let Troy chip in and then I'm, and then I'm going to um, uh, ask some of the questions in the comments. But Troy, do you want to add anything to that? Well, I'm not sure that we really disagree very, very much. I mean, I think um, like Paul, like the conversion of Paul, um, you know, in general, when a Pharisee gets saved, the Pharisee does have many, you know, the Pharisee is dealing with pride and things like that. 
not typically like the gross sin that people typically point to. Like the Pharisees probably not outwardly involved with adultery. Like the things that people think about, the Pharisee is in sin. Yeah. Um, but the Pharisees in general, right, they, they just aren't believing who he is. I'm not saying that they don't have, they have, they're guilty of many things, right? Pride. I'm just, just saying that um, I, I find it instructive that Jesus uses many people in the scriptures that the world doesn't view as being sinful, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, 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 and saves them to highlight, right? Um, Paul, why are you kicking the goat? Like, like Paul, you are persecuting me and you're going to need to believe on me. So at the conversion of Paul, um, I'm wondering, like, if you were to think about Paul, like, yes, there are uh, there are things that he's areas of sin in his life, I'm sure, right? And I'm also seeing a, a, a big spotlight being put on the fact that he wasn't believing on Christ, mm-hmm. which resulted yeah. in a bunch of other things. You know, the the Ethiopian eunuch. I mean, these these stories are very often interesting. Interestingly enough, like Cornelius, interest like they're they're raised like. Cornelius was waiting for the kingdom. Cornelius was, you know, like, I mean, Cornelius was kind of like in line with, with believing on Yahweh already, right? He, was, yeah. he would say, I believe on Yahweh. He wouldn't have said, I believe Jesus is Yahweh yet. He didn't know that, yeah, right? right? So I find it interesting that many of these conversions are people who, you know, maybe were Jewish or who were Gentile, but were open to the kingdom, you know, so they, they, they didn't necessarily have this open, right, prodigal son kind of rebellion going on, right, where they're turning away from, you know, like, I'm, I'm thinking, I, I can't, I don't know all the tech, but like Cornelius, I don't, I don't think of Cornelius like that, right? I think of it like he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, that's, that's actually, that's actually fascinating to, to hear you talk about this because um, the, there, there are instances like Cornelius where you seem to see someone who, while they're, they obviously need the atoning sacrifice of Christ, they're not in that kind of uh, wild, rebellious state that some others might be, where, where, the, where the primary sin that you could identify would be uh, unbelief in. That, that's really interesting. Um, well, the eunuch is reading the Bible. Right. He's reading the text. He doesn't know it deals with Christ. Yeah, he's reading the Bible though. He's like, "Well, what does this mean?" And he's leaving the feast, so he's he's heading back to Ethiopia from Jerusalem. He's he's wanting to believe on Yahweh, right? He just doesn't know anything about Christ. Hmm. Now, Troy, Troy, what what time do we need to get you out of here? Because there, I want I do want to start raising some questions, but I'll prioritize based on when we need to get you no, no, on with your day. Okay. Well, let's let's start with Glenn's okay. question then. And Glenn, I put a link. I put a link in the comments section with what what in my experience is the most thorough debate on the Trinity I've ever heard that deals with a lot of the problem texts. Um, but Glenn brings up the point that e- even though we think they're wrong, I think we would all acknowledge that there are some texts of Scripture that are easy to misunderstand. Mm-hmm. Um, that a lot of the non-Trinitarians will cite when when it comes to the divinity of Christ. So maybe each of us could sort of share one text that they've heard you heard interpreted this way and then maybe the our best explanation on it so i i know for me one that i actually it's funny i'm this i'm i'm very thankful eric that we're having this conversation because it's actually served 
to sort of identify some weaknesses in my own understanding. So as I was doing some preparation for this, um, I found, I think it's in Colossians where it refers to Christ as the firstborn of all creation. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that in Colossians chapter one? So um, I came across that passage and I said, wait a minute, firstborn of all creation? Like how they get, I, it, it really sort of shook my understanding of, well, maybe maybe there is room for an understanding of Christ as, uh, uh, or, or of of um, yeah, of Christ as someone who, at some point, came into uh, existence, even if it was long before the rest of creation, like he was the first. Um, however, there are two really important things about that passage, so that you need to recognize if you want to interpret it rightly. The first is that later on, in that same chapter, it says all things were made through him. Right. So, okay, okay so there, there's one thing. There we so go. We have, yeah. Slam dunk. Made through him. Well, that's not quite the slam dunk yet, because so far we have we have two things that seem to be intention. One that says he's firstborn of all creation. One that says he's the source of all creation. However, you go to the Greek, and you find out that word firstborn means preeminent. So it's not even addressing the issue of origins. It has to do with his supremacy so there's there's one text that i've heard used which is easy to misunderstand which actually clearly teaches the divinity of jesus when you understand it rightly have you come to either of your minds no because i just read scripture for what it is you know (laughs) i'm sorry man i just i don't i don't come i don't i don't know if it's because people know i'm so ardently trinitarian and so so you know like maybe people just don't bring them to my attention but like oh, what well, you said okay firstborn among creation i can hear how someone would go hey pastor what does this mean right mm-hmm. and someone may have said something to me to, to 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 me along those lines in the past and i just can't remember but i would simply say if you have a theology of adoption right so if you mm-hmm. understand that you've been adopted into the family of god and you look at even Romans 8, where he says that, that you'd be conformed into the image of his son so that he would be made the firstborn among many brothers, right? Mm-hmm. What does he mean? He doesn't mean that he's literally the first one out of the womb. He's talking about being being the one who, when you have an entire family, he is the chief brother in all of the family because he's, in fact, redeemed all of them. Had it not been for Christ and his work, there would not be any brothers right there would be no many brothers there would only be christ all right well since eric is incapable of empathy troy why don't you jump in (laughs) i'll tell you so when you told me about the topic i actually just wrongly assumed that you were going to be i actually look i I don't know anything about what's going on you know with with the with the with the domination i thought it was going to be people attacking the deity of the spirit actually i just assumed it would be that I, i just i don't know why I'm like, wow, like attacking the deity of Christ like that. I, I do find it pretty shocking, but. Um, Amen. But, but, Amen. Uh, I, I've been saying that for 2,000 years <laughs> or, or 1,700. Are, are, are you saying before Abraham was you were, Eric? <laughs> so what about this? What about uh, what about text, though, where, where people challenge? I'm trying to think of examples of people challenge the deity of Christ. What about when people bring up during in the days of his flesh where Jesus didn't know certain things? What about that? Yeah. Well, uh, where he said, I, you know, this is something, you know, like I think that's actually pretty easily dealt with because it deals with his the days of his flesh where he is, he is living, you know, this is why it's important. He is a man. Like he is, he is living this life as a man. And, right. 
you know, I do view it like, you know, a body was prepared for him and he purposely decided to not leverage the prerogatives of being, you know, like he has to remind him while he's on the cross, like I could have legions of angels here if I wanted to. Right. Like I could do that, but I'm, I'm, I'm completing this being the lamb of God thing. I'm, I'm doing this for you on purpose. Yeah. Right. I don't, Very I'm mistaken. Not, right. I'm not doing that right now. I'm not leveraging my, the fact that I know everything I'm going, I'm living this out as a human being right now. So that's why I think, you know, to, to you guys' point, it's important to teach it as this union, right, of humanity and deity because, you know, Jesus is also weeping. Like I've, people, people are like, like I've asked myself, like, why is Jesus weeping before he's going to raise Lazarus? You know, like, why is he doing that? Yeah. And I just came to, maybe he's sad. <laughs> maybe <laughs> Stop overthinking this. Maybe he just, well, he's sad because other people, maybe, or maybe he just got there. I've had that experience. Like, I do believe my relative is in is in heaven, and I'm still hit with this human. Maybe it's just that. Maybe yeah. it's not. Maybe I'm overthinking. He's a human being, just like we are. Well, well it's like you have to understand the humanity. So he's he's fully man, fully God, or or Sproul would say truly man, truly God. And, and the importance of that can't, like, we can't just gloss over it, right? So the importance of him taking on flesh is that he experienced all the same inconveniences of the flesh that we did, right? So he'd probably get a sunburn. He, um, his diaper had to get changed. I don't know what they had for diapers in the first century, but whatever it was, like, Mommy had to put baby powder on, right? Like, I don't know if they had that, but that's, that's what happened. He got hungry. He got thirsty. And now the difference is, right, like, I've been in a place. I was, I was in Iraq. I was in Afghanistan. I've been in places where, like, if you run out of water for a few days, you're dead, right? And there's times where, where I was so thirsty, I would do just about anything to get me some water, right? Like, you get that kind of hungry. Like, I can't go four hours without eating without wanting to punch people in the face because I get hangry, right? Because I'm sinful, because I'm fully flesh. Jesus, in being in being fully flesh, being fully man and fully God, he, although he was tempted to uh, to turn, uh, you know, as Satan comes by and says, listen, you could take, turn these rocks into loaves of bread. He says, no, I'm good. I don't need that. So he didn't, he, he, he had that temptation, but didn't have to go. He, he didn't go into the realm of sin where most of us, we would. And all, um, all of us. <laughs> all of us, yeah, all of us would, all of us would. So, so that's the difference between us and Jesus, but we can know he can, we have a savior who sympathizes and empathizes with us when we're in pain. He's in pain. He's literally grieving and praying for us as he did with Mary and Martha as their brother lay, uh, you know, as the King James says, he stinketh in the tomb. Right. Um, like I remember, like it changed my mind, changed my perception when DA Carson, he had, he had this great conversation, great sermon on, uh, on raising Lazarus from the dead. And he like, he really points out, and I did it when I preached on the same thing. Like he had been in the tomb so long that he stinketh, he stunk. And like, you look at all the things that happen when you die and it's just, it's disgusting. But Jesus, 
still raises his, him from the dead. But before raising him from the dead, he's sitting there with Mary and Martha and all the mourners and he's grieving with them. He's loving them and caring for them. Because, I mean, we all want our pastor there and our friends there when we're in grieving and, and just their presence is, is such a blessing to us. I mean, how great of a blessing is it for Jesus to be weeping with you? Right. And then he yeah. raises him. Now, Nancy, Nancy dropping some knowledge, Eric. Uh, there were not always disposable diapers before, uh, you know, a couple <laughs> decades ago, everyone used cloth. So some important knowledge there. Um, her, she, the point she's making that oftentimes the issue has to do with the pre-existence of Jesus. Um, I, and you know, what? actually, I think I think most of the issue when it comes to understanding either the divinity or the nature of Christ and this is where I, I think we're sort of serving Troy's point that it's it really is a, a, an issue of belief versus unbelief. Um, I think it really is an unwillingness to uh, believe the incarnation because it's so fantastic. Mm. The, the, the idea that the infinite became finite, that the immortal became mortal, that the all-knowing became limited in knowledge, that the all-powerful became weak. Which is, in my view, the gospel. Like that's that 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 is the gospel. Um, it's that that's the issue I run into more often, especially if you talk to a Jehovah's Witness or a Muslim. the The issue is they say they'll, they'll say things like, "Okay, well, um, God is all knowing," but in Luke chapter one it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and knowledge, therefore he can't be God. To which the answer is, of course, well, that's an assumption. You're assuming that he can't do that, despite the fact that the scriptures say he did. Mm -hmm. He actually became flesh. Yeah, he became a man, right? Mm -hmm. He became a man, and he's still a man, and he's he's God. He added humanity. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting about the um, the pre-existence. I mean, which is why we, you know, why we go to texts like um, John one, right? I mean, it's kind of like boom, like right, right there. It's kind of dealing with his his existence, or um, you know, uh, Philippians two, right? Philippians two. I mean, I mean, see, I'm not altogether clear how you get around those texts, like how people. I, I don't even really know how. I, I, I think, I, in my experience, and, and I'm 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 not a non-trinitarian, so I can't speak for them. This is just my perception. What you have to do is you have to turn certain texts of scripture against others. So right. you, 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 they'll, they'll quote a text of scripture, which we all believe. And they'll say, in order for this to be true, this can't mean that. Right. It has to mean something else. And then, and then they'll interpret it in a way that it doesn't mean what we would say it clearly says. Um, right. Now, you know, it's funny, Troy, you mentioned you were, you were, we're thinking we we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, but the comment section is starting to turn towards that. So, Eric, I know we had originally said oh, we're going to do this sort of category by category. Do we want to turn a little more towards the um, nature of the Holy Spirit today before we cl I mean, I, I I would say I've got another 20 minutes if we want yeah, to. Yeah, that's, that. that's fine if we touch on it. I mean, we do plan on touching on it in the next uh, three Tuesdays. Mm -hmm. two or three Tuesdays so but why don't we since since uh Troy was sort of um prepared to do that anyways maybe this is a good opportunity I'm not saying I was prepared I just I just was I just <laughs> Moose says we got to bring on a non-trinitarian to properly defend the position I have I have no problem with that I let, let them let them speak for themselves and we'll uh we'll we'll look Eric and I have have said from the beginning that we are not afraid of um 
uh, of conflict in the done it in in the spirit that the New Testament commands, which is clear on doctrine and kind to people. So if a non-Trinitarian would like to um, assume that risk of coming on the show and being gently battered a little bit, then we're happy to have them on. Uh, Let's turn to Holy Spirit. Actually, there's there's one thing we need to address before we turn to Holy Spirit, although it's sort of related. It's sort of related. Um, Tom asked the question, what about modalists? Because because a modal <laughs> Troy laughing, uh, a modalist does does recognize the divinity of Christ, right? So um, Troy, why don't you start with that one? I see you have thoughts already. No, it's it's um. So I actually have a lot of experience with with modalists through. Latin. Oh, real, real real quick before you answer, tell everyone yeah. what a modalist is, just in case anyone doesn't know. Right, so I mean. I, I'm not familiar with all the forms of modalism and I try to not get that familiar with it, but um, <laughs> I think it deals with a belief that um, the way God has uh, existed is he has manifested himself in different forms. So he is, so he would have manifested himself as the father and now he manifests himself as a son during the scripture and manifesting himself as the Holy spirit in this age. So some kind of connection between there's one God that, it, that shows himself manifests himself in these different modes um and they use examples that i think are horrible like you know like i'm a father and then i'm a son and i'm also a brother like they say yeah. things like that but i'm the same per- you know that kind of- so yeah. i'm i'm I, you know so this question around can a modalist be saved man I, I can't i can't tell you how many times i've had this conversation and i'm actually uncomfortable with it because because I find myself judging when I don't want to, like, I don't want to judge people. Some people who I know very well, who I know would talk about how much they love the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think I'm going to stop short of actually drawing a judgment, but I will say there are many texts that I do not know how you can understand who God really is. How do you understand something like, the Lord Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of the father ever making inter how is he making intercession for us right now? And him not actually, I guess if you're a modalist, you might think he's existing as the spirit, but the father and the son aren't existing right now. Or how does this, how does the father send the son? I don't know how the father, I don't know how the son prays to the father and because these things, in my opinion, result in making the Bible seem like a book of lies. Hmm. Like Jesus is not speaking to the Father right now. Jesus is not saying, I'm going to send, I'm going to send the Spirit and he won't come until I go back to the Father. He won't come. I've got to go in, uh, was it John 16, John 17? I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to send him to you. Or then the Spirit is here and he's going to bear witness to the Son. I just don't understand how these things operate if Jesus doesn't actually, if you don't have unique roles. I, I don't understand yeah. how the Bible makes any sense. So so the the, the way I'm, I'm also not going to, Eric might, I'm not going to answer the question of saved or not saved. I, I won't make that judgment either. I will say this. The way I've heard it described <laughs> is modalists um, basically have to come to the conclusion that God is a paranoid schizophrenic um, or, or has, I'm sorry, has multiple personality disorder. So it's like the uh, me, myself, and Irene uh, of of being, where as you were saying, Troy, uh, he constantly refers to himself by different names. 
Right. So here's here's one thing that comes to mind. One reason I hate modalism. <laughs> Tell us because, what you really think, Troy. Yeah, right. Is because Jesus, the man, obeyed the Father. And part of why he's perfect is he obeyed the Father. Through the history of the scripture, you're seeing man in general disregard authority. Like, how much of it is about there's this kingdom that's coming and this new kingdom or this that exists in the heavens is coming to the earth. And there's this authority that's being established. There's, you know, and, and all things are being made subject to authority and submission. How does the son, how does Jesus, the man, obey the father if they don't have two separate wills? If they're not two, how can he really how can he say, not my will, but your will be done? If he doesn't actually, how can he obey? So now you're actually demeaning his self, salvific work. You're demeaning what he did to demonstrate perfect humanity. He's How can he write what Adam did? Adam disobeyed out, out of the box. Jesus obeyed to the end. But if, if, if there is no distinct father the father is not distinct in any way how can he obey him i I don't i don't know how he can really how can he right i mean when you or i obey someone we're making a decision based on our will Hmm. we're taking away from i I don't know how that would be the case right eric do you want to add anything (laughs) uh i'm going to be kind for once okay today's my turn to be kind Um, (laughs) so i'm going to say in regards to the modalist uh it depends on if if it's someone who is you know someone who's new to the faith right and they're in the and so they're in the midst of the teaching right they're in the midst of being in the midst of being catechized so to speak in the faith that's totally different than someone who's been in the faith for 20 years and they've been taught the nature of God, they've been taught the Trinity, and they just outright reject it. I think that that is, I think that right there is the sin of of unbelief. But someone who who has a such a a rudimentary understanding um, of things and 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 is growing, and all of a sudden they die, that to me is is very different. So is an is it an outright denial or is it the absence of understanding, which to me are two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good. That's a real. That's a really good distinction to make because I. I think. Uh, look, we we've spoken very strongly and unapologetically so about the divinity of Christ. But I also think we would all agree that Christology is not what saves you. Christ, uh, right Christology is evidence of the saving work of God. Right. right? Um, so so I think that's a great distinction. That it's not as though we're we're walking around with a litmus test and saying until you can uh, rightly delineate trinitarian doctrine you're you're not a christian i I don't i just don't think that's that's a a good way of understanding it but if you have been exposed to the scriptural testimony and you out and you reject it i think that's a great distinction to make eric and it's one thing like if you have someone right who is humble and is going like man i I know other people understand this and i'm trying to understand it i need help that's different than someone who's militant and is like well, I'm just never going to understand, so I'm not even going to try. Right. And 
Um, and, and really, I just because there are a lot of people who will reject something because they don't put in the effort to try to understand it, right? right. Just look, just turn on the news. That's 95% of, of people, right? Um, they don't want to try to understand something, so they just reject the idea in, in its entirety. So yeah. it's, it's Christ's work who saves, but Christ's work is evident in, in our desire to follow him and see him supreme in our life. And that encompasses so many things, right? So that yeah. encompasses our right living. It, it encompasses our right belief. It encompasses the fruits of the spirit, the fruits of, of, of making disciples, it, it just it encompasses so much. Yeah. Now, let, let's let's spend for the last few minutes, let's sort of turn toward the Holy Spirit a little bit. And as has been the case for the past hour, Troy, you're sort of being dragged into the muck of our denominational history. Um, there, There's a very specific sort of view of the Holy Spirit that has kind of been common, I, I would say is, is not any longer, although maybe there may be some strains of it left. But but the the most common objection to um, a Trinitarian view of the Holy Spirit in our circles sort of views the Holy Spirit as the impersonal force or working of God. So they wouldn't deny that it's divine in the sense that it He is divine. That, not, not you know, I'm even using their language uh, that that He uh, comes from God, but they wouldn't they wouldn't identify Him as a distinct person. Thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would disagree. Um, I think that um, the Holy Spirit. Um, so I think the text I just shared with you. I think the Holy Spirit has a will. Uh, the Holy Holy Spirit can be grieved. So the Holy Spirit has the Holy Spirit has the markers of personhood. You know, emotion, will, intellect. Because the Holy Spirit. See, this is interesting because the. Um, the Holy Spirit being able to, for example, he being able to tell you what to say when you are being, so I, I just view these things as things that a person would do. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't think of electricity as being able to tell me what to say, for example, or gravity. Right. But because, because he is able to, the Holy Spirit is able to bring things to my remembrance. I'm just viewing him as a, as a, as a person. He has a, he has a will. He can teach, you know, he's called our teacher, right? I mean, gravity cannot teach, teach me, right? I mean, things that I think of as forces as, as being impersonal, right? Would, um, right? I mean, electricity, for example, I would think of that as a force. Um, I have to hear more about why people would view this person mm -hmm. As not having intentionality and will, I, I don't. I no, don't. No, no, look, I, I, I can, I can tell you the reason. It's the same reason that they reject the divinity of Christ. It's because uh, they assume, uh, um, well, what is the term, uh, uh, Unitarianism. Be, the, 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 the idea. I think in many cases, it's not that the text um, can't say that. It's that it can't mean that because we know. God is one in the sense that he is a Unitarian single person. Therefore, we must interpret these other things in that way. But you just gave a great response. Eric, anything you want to add? Um, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand. Like, it's so it's hard for me and I don't want to be, I don't want to be uncharitable, um, 
I am trying to work on that. I really am. But yeah, to I, me, I, I was very proud of the moment you had just uh, just a few minutes ago. I, that was, that was... <laughs> I'm trying to be generous. He's not trying to give it a shot. I'm trying to, you know, because I do care for these people, right? Like I, like I care, I care for people who who reject these ideas or who have a misunderstanding. Um, and, and I think, and to be honest, I think it's the spirit who's working in me, right? He's working in me, softening my heart and like giving me a heart for these people who otherwise, like I joke about burning them at the stake, right? Like, like I'm trying not to, to say those flippant things, um, because I, I don't want to hurt someone. Uh, however, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us, right? I love, like, I don't know what you read in your, um, uh, regularly, Troy, um, but I, I, I like to read some of the Puritan works, right? And, and I was reading, I forget who said this, but he was talking about prayer, right? And how it, when we come to the Lord in prayer, it's more important, um, the condition of our heart than the words that come out. Because the, the words that come out with an empty heart don't get lifted to the Lord at all. But, but when our heart is right and we have no words, it speaks volumes to God. And it's the Holy Spirit who's lifting our voice to him, giving us the words to pray, right? So, so really like the times of prayer, and we all know it, like sometimes people fake it to make it, right? Like people will fake it in their prayer life. Pastors, listen, I've had times where I've had to just force words out and not knowing what to say. And I just say whatever comes to mind. And those times are, are like a, a great desert in my soul. But man, when the spirit is really working in your heart, he is driving your heart. And from out of your heart comes these words. And sometimes they can be, even they, even if they don't sound like the most eloquent, they are the most um, poignant words and the most loving words towards God and towards those who are around you. So that's not possible without the Holy Spirit who indwells you. He is a personal being who Jesus says, like I, 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 we're going through the gospel of John. We're about to close it. We're about to close out in the gospel of John. And, and we got to the point where, where Jesus says, listen, I have to go and you're going to be better off when I leave. Mm. And like you, and I, and I say this to my congregation, I've said this multiple times, like how, how awful would you feel that you've given up your entire life? You've given up your business, your family, you've given up a life of luxury or like you're Simon the zealot. And you just like, you're like, Hey guys, I'm not part of your little gang anymore. Right? Like I'm going to follow this Jesus guy. And, and so you've given up everything that you have to follow him for, for two to three years. And now he's saying like, I'm out, I'm chucking the deuces. I'm going elsewhere. You can't come, but you're going to be better off for it. Why are they going to be better off for it? Because as he goes, the Holy Spirit is going to enter into their hearts and they will have the spirit of God walking in them and with them. Mm. And, and, and Jesus is saying, I'm still going to be there. Pray in my name, ask whatever you wish in the father's in the uh, addressed to the father, ask in my name. I'm the co-signer on this loan, so to speak. And, and it's all going to be given to you. And the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to deliver it to me. Troy, it looks like there's something you want to add. Oh no, no, I'm just, I'm just kind of as you were, as you were thinking, you were just sparking these texts. I, I was, I was thinking about that, about that, about uh, John 14, as Eric was talking about how uh, the Holy Spirit would be the one who the, these, these words used about Him feel personal to me. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, 
uh, maybe not feel. I think I'm changing it. They're not. They don't feel personal. They are personal. There are. There are. I don't mean that like interpersonal. I mean like they are describing a person. Him being called in John fourteen twenty six the Comforter. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a that's a person. Him being actually him being sent. I'm thinking that's you know. I'm just gonna check this and see if it was yeah. I mean him being sent like unless somebody would think of it like a letter, I guess. But I think of it like he's actually being personally sent. Him being called a teacher in that yeah. verse. Yeah. bringing to your remembrance these are things that a person has to do for you right? and that that right there calling him a teacher is one of the reasons why i you know we talked about modalism and you go what's the difference is it an absence of teaching or is the has the teaching been present and it's just not been applied to this person right so if the holy spirit's in them he's going to be opening up their hearts even though it might take a long time he's going to be doing that but if so someone's not damned because they're a modalist they're damned because the holy spirit's not in them the 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 application of christ saving work has not been given to them that's why they're damned not because of their wrong belief so the the wrong belief is evidence of their unbelief so there's um i i think we've been going for about 80 minutes now i i think we can sort of start to find a wrapping up point although i could do this with you guys all day um I, I feel I feel in some ways you, you you I don't know if you guys have figured this out yet, but Eric and Troy, I feel like you guys are sort of kindred spirits in that um, you're, you're both the type of guy that I sit down with to talk about the things of God and I just lose track of the time. Um, but the, the way I'd like the way I'd like to um, close, I think, is with a pastoral word, because all three of us are pastors and it, it's certainly right that we defend doctrine. Um but the but the reason we defend doctrine is because not obviously because it's true, but also uh, because of our calling and our desire to uh, guide the sheep. And so we I think we we've, we've done a really good job of pretty firmly defending this doctrine. Um, but as we close, I was hoping each of us could maybe say a pastoral word to those listening who maybe have struggled with or perhaps outright denied uh, this doctrine. Um, could, maybe, maybe we could go Eric, me, and then Troy, so that Troy will get the last word. Uh, a, a word from a pastor to someone who either struggles with or maybe even outright denies the doctrine of the Trinity and especially the divinity of Jesus Christ. Eric? We've all struggled. We've all been in a place of, of unbelief or wrong belief. Um, I pray that you would prayerfully um, and humbly approach the word of God um, openly and, and ask the spirit to, to work in you and through you in, in learning what God teaches here. Find a friend, find a pastor in your area um, to help explain the text to you. Now, if it's a non-Trinitarian pastor, that's probably the wrong one. Cause I would say the same thing to that, to that person, but um, humbly, approach the scriptures and see what the Lord will do. Um, that's, and I hope, and I hope that the Lord would, would convict them. Uh, I, I want to, for my word, I want to bounce off of what Nancy said, talking about uh, in her comment, the Trinitarian brings me into a deeper, more intimate relationship. 
this idea that God is not just an object to be studied, but someone to be known. And uh, the way we know God is how he reveals himself in scripture uh, and in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus said, uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, which is another one of those passages, which is often uh, grossly misinterpreted uh, when, in fact, it actually supports the Trinitarian view. Here, here's what I, I would say. Um, a couple weeks ago, I, I was preaching out of Romans 9, and it reminded me of a moment when I was in my early 20s, and I really studied Romans 9 for the first time and understood what it was saying and hated it. Just like, oh, really? This is this is what it actually teaches about God? And going like, this doesn't make sense. This isn't comfortable. I don't like it. And there was this moment of crisis where it was like, okay, either something I don't understand is true because God says so, or what I feel is true regardless of what God says. And I'm not, I, I can't judge the heart of everyone who, who struggles with or rejects this doctrine, but I've heard many who say, um, this can't be true because it doesn't make sense. The standard of truth is not what makes sense to you. It's what God says about himself and reveals about himself in the scriptures and in the person of Jesus Christ. And faith does not require perfect understanding, perfect mm -hmm. theology. It, 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 it just requires surrender to the God who is so much greater, wiser, bigger, and incomprehensible, not unable to reveal himself as he has, but greater than we even can imagine. So I, I would encourage those listening who have struggled in this area or outright rejected the doctrine, look, don't believe what we're saying because we're saying it. Believe it because God has said it in his word. And part of faith is receiving what you don't understand, trusting that it's true because God said it. That's my word. That's good. So I'll just say this, and, and and by the way, thank you for this. Was actually this was a lot of fun. This is this is a yeah. lot. <laughs> You're welcome back anytime. <laughs> this is great. Like if you if you ever want to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, just call me. I always tell Luke. I think I've told you that before. If you want to talk about Jesus, just call me. I'll I'll talk to you about Christ all afternoon. Um, but um. I thought about a couple of texts. The first one was I thought about um, yeah, it's by grace through faith you're saved. This is not of yourself. Um, but this is a so believing believing on the Christ is a gift. It's it's grace. Um, that might sound like I'm saying, look, like you're. I don't find this to be the kind of thing you could just figure out. If it were based on figuring it out, it would actually wouldn't be gracious. Actually, it would be whoever's smarter would be saved, right? Like whoever's brighter. It's, it's by grace. So God gives us this belief on him. And so if you're struggling with it, go to him and ask him because like the brother that said, hey, I believe, help my, help my, like just, I don't, help me with my unbelief. This is like, ask him. And then uh, the last thing I'll say, which is might even sound a little bit stronger, but um I'll, I'll go back to where I started. John 8, 24. 
uh, as Jesus is discoursing, he said, I said, therefore, unto you if that you will die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am, you will die in your sins. He made that really clear. I, I think it's being pastoral. It's okay to have a little bit of fear when Jesus speaks like this. That That's okay. Don't. That's okay. And then think about this. In the same chapter, when you get to the end of the chapter, he's discoursing. And and they're and they're talking to him. They're he's saying things like, um, you know, um, in verse fifty-three, they're asking him, "Are you greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets? Like you're you're talking like you're better than them." And Jesus responds by saying, "Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day." And he saw it and was glad. He's probably talking about the times when, I think he's talking about the time when the Lord appeared to Abraham in the book of Genesis, just walks up and begins to, no, Abraham actually has seen my day and rejoiced. And then they say, well, you're not yet 50. And he he closes with Abraham, um, unless, excuse me, before Abraham was, I am. And then it says they picked up stones. Do you want to be on the side of the people that picked up stones to kill Jesus? Because the people that picked up stones to kill Jesus did it because they didn't believe he was who he said he was, which is God. So I I, I do not view this as a minor thing. So I would say pastorally, you do not want to be on the side of, you know, look, if he's not God, you have a bigger problem because he said it, right? That's why they wanted to kill him, because he said he was God. That's the whole thing. That's why they picked up stones to kill him. So I would just encourage you, if you're struggling with this, you don't want to be on the side of people picking up stones to kill the Christ. And go to God with your unbelief, and I believe he will answer. He wants to answer that prayer. He's the most gracious one who's ever been ever he's full of grace and truth all he wants to do is give grace so just go to him he'll show himself well thanks so much troy i, I mean great, you 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 uh you were my friend before this um and i, I knew this was going to be great but uh i'm eric's friend now <laughs> oh man yeah no, you're not my friend you're my brother man part of the joy of of who Christ is, is he is our union. We, because he is who he is, we can truly say, I mean, we're, we feel really good about each other right now because we agree and have this great conversation. But if this had never happened, we would be just as united in Christ uh, because, because he is, in fact, he, he's the one who makes us one. We are one with him and with each other. But but truly, uh, just thankful to have you on the show. We're going to have Troy back on um, in a week, uh, next Saturday, to, to talk about something very different. But we wanted to, to have this conversation first because this was the more important conversation and because this is sort of Troy's hobby horse. He, Troy is not kidding when he says he'll talk to you about Christ forever. I mean, we could, we could have him on for hours and he would not run out of material. But of course, what does Jesus say in Luke 24 about the scriptures? They're about me. So, uh, so, what, do we, so what do we got next, next Saturday? Yeah, so next Saturday we're going to bring Troy back and we talk about something very different. 
Um, we're going to talk about race relations and the church. And uh, we're, no, we're not bringing Troy on to talk about this uh, just because he looks a little different than me and Eric. Uh, Troy is actually going to have a pretty unique perspective on this, not only because of his background and upbringing, but because of the nature of some of his work. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that further next week. Um, but as we did today, our goal is going to be not just to share some political opinions, but to bring scriptural uh, uh, light to the subject. Go ahead, Troy. We will still be talking about Christ. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> hey, Troy, Troy, can you tell? Can you let anybody who's still watching and listening, how can can we follow you on social media somehow or your church? Yeah. So, um, so my name is Troy McIntosh. The church is called Christ Is All, and so we have a Facebook page. If you search Christ Is All Church, it's in Gurney. Uh, but if you even if you find me on on Facebook, Troy McIntosh, I'm connected to this guy right here in many ways. But <laughs> But yeah, um, and so I'm teaching every week, and I actually post all of my uh, teachings on the Christ is All Church um, site, and also on my personal page as well. And we'll we'll drop I'll drop the link, I'll I'll drop the links to those in the comments so that folks can follow those um, cool. if they'd like to. Uh, Eric, any last words from you? Nah, man, thank you for the conversation. This was this was really a blessing, man. Especially like this is Saturday, so this is like the day that the pastor like goes to the Lord and is like, God, I have not had the time that I thought I would to, to prepare for tomorrow. Um, I need, I need your spirit to, to stoke in me this desire, uh, to get before your people and offer up to them on a platter, Christ, your son. And man, I'll tell you what, I'm ready. You got me like, listen, I feel like I've been with my coach and like my coach is getting me. This is better than listening to Eminem. <laughs> let me let me ask one more question one more question before we close and it will, will we started sort of on a lighter note with guilty pleasure song will end on a lighter note uh because all three of us are going to be preaching tomorrow so how much work do you have left today for your sermon tomorrow i've Eric? only got like i probably got like an hour a little bit more so okay. i look, i teach through books right so mm -hmm. I'm kind of like studying the book and teaching it. I, I, I'm, I'm probably got like about, about like another hour or so, a little bit more than an hour. Eric. Yeah. Shit, man. <laughs> wow. All I gotta do, all I have to do, is print it out. All I got, like I, I got a basic outline and I stick it in my Bible, tape it in there. That's all I gotta do, and I do it tomorrow morning. Right. I can see that. How about you, Luke? How about you? <laughs> he hasn't done yet. He doesn't know what he's preaching on. No, no. Like Troy, I preach through books. Okay. Um, and uh, it, I would, I would say, I'm maybe, I'm maybe seventy five percent done. Oh man. I thought I figured you guys were gonna the way Eric was talking about how he was feeling, I thought he was gonna say he had hours and then he throws up the zero. And I'm like, <laughs> He's done. He's good. All right. So uh, let's just say this. Troy has one, Eric has zero. I have a number that's slightly higher than those. <laughs> well, I did see on the Facebook that you're uh, that you and you and Lindsay went out for a date last night. So it was like, is Friday your like your finish update? So you like you crucified the flesh by taking your wife out on a date and buying all the diapers in, in Target or wherever. And uh, maybe maybe. maybe maybe a discussion of my sermon writing patterns of late should happen privately, Eric. Oh goodness. Oh man. All right. Well, 
we great conversation fellas troy we appreciate so much you coming on and, and like troy said next week even if the subject changes anytime that you're talking to troy mcintosh he's going to talk about jesus so we look forward to that uh we appreciate all you guys participating today all the comments all the questions uh and in this and in all things we will continue to submit to god's word the scriptures and we're going to talk about it that's why we call the show bible banter god bless you guys see you on tuesday <laughs>